0: Right, so today's lesson is Where He Leads, I'll Follow. Like I said, we're starting off the theme for 2024. Um, our key verse this year is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. I'll read it off to you guys. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example you should follow in his steps. So basically this verse is saying that Christ followed God's will to a T. You know, he never made a mistake. He followed it perfectly. But following God's will for Jesus meant he would end up going to die on the cross for us. It wasn't an easy lie. He suffered a lot on earth. He was persecuted. He was sped on. He was mistreated. But he did all of this because he knew that God had a plan and a purpose in it. And because of that, all of us now have salvation if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Um, And so the same is true in our lives today. Jesus calls us to follow after his example. And what that means is that sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to do things that are uncomfortable. He's going to lead us to places that we haven't gone before. We're going to have to talk to people we haven't talked to before, or maybe that are different than us. He's going to call us to do things that may seem scary or irrational. But if we trust in Jesus that he has a plan in all of that, and we follow through with that... Even though it may seem odd in the moment, or we don't understand exactly why God is allowing certain things to happen, or why we have to go through certain things, if we trust Him through it, eventually we'll see God's overarching plan for us in that, and we'll be really blessed because of it, and in the process will bless many other people as well, and we'll see the fruit of that labor. So that's kind of the theme of the year. Uh, today's lesson is actually found in the book of Luke we're actually going to talk about Peter, the first time Peter kind of encounters Jesus. So when Peter first encounters Jesus, Peter is not a believer, really. He's not a, well, he's not a believer, and he's not a follower or disciple of Jesus. Through this experience, however, Peter becomes Jesus' disciple, and then he ends up growing through that. So I want you to see the experience that Peter has when he meets Jesus and how that radically changes his life. Uh, and then his, his following Jesus afterwards. So it says here, in this is Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, And if the crowd was present in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by, by a lake. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, which is Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But you say, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and the nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came into a both boat so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to the land, left everything, and followed him. So important uh, a few important things here. If Peter is a fisherman, okay? And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that fishermen back in that day, it wasn't like the fishermen of today's time, where you have all the super nice equipment, and you have these power boats and all this. Um, they had these wooden little reeky dink boats, okay? Uh, if you were wealthy enough and had, you know, some crackier skills, you may have had a little bit more high depth wooden boat, but it wasn't anything to, to sneeze at. But the thing is... Um, Though we though, were pretty much kind of live or die, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, of how many fish they caught. And so their boats were their livelihood. I and mean, that was like their prized possession, because without the boats, they can't go out to the water and catch the fish. So Jesus comes up and just gets in Simon's boat that's on the land. So they had, they had already quit fishing for the day. So when, when Jesus gets into the boat, you got to think, if you're a fisherman... You're like, hey, what's this guy doing in my boat? You know, because this is my boat. And like, without this boat, I can't do my job. So Solomon lets him begin teaching from the boat. And as as Jesus teaches, Simon Peter is so amazed by what he hears and and, and what Jesus is telling him, he believes that this guy is is the Messiah. This guy is the Savior. He is who he says he is. Um, or, or Or something like that. And so... Um, he ends up, the next thing Jesus tells him to do is, is to do what? Do remember what he says? Well, he, he tells him to go back out into the deeper water. Good. And Peter's like, you know, and all of us are probably be the same way. We're like, okay, we just met this guy. He's standing in my boat. He's teaching. And then he tells me to take this boat back out to the water I spent hours in, catching nothing. This guy's a little crazy. Um, but Peter Peter, like I said, after listening to him teach, he believed that this guy really is who he says he is. And so when he told him to go out into deeper waters, he was like, okay, I don't really understand that, but if you say so, I'm going to trust this guy that something's different about this guy. And so he goes out into deeper waters, and you guys know the story. We just read it. He puts the nets back out, pulls in a ton of fish. The story there for us is, it was a small thing for Peter to put the boat back out in the water. I mean, that didn't take a whole lot of effort. He just put it into shore, and he probably wasn't going out super far. Again, they didn't have motorboats or something, so they probably only went out, you know, a few hundred yards at that. But that small little step of obedience led to him seeing Jesus do something incredible in his life. And because of that, Jesus began to use Peter in miraculous ways as his life went on, so much so that Peter becomes the first uh, church leader, or first pastor, in the post-Jesus era. And so, um, that's a pretty miraculous turnaround. What, 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 the lesson for us is that if God can't trust you in the small things, he's not going to use you in the big things. And what I mean by that is that that was Peter's first test right there. You know, Peter had just, just believed in Jesus. You know, He just started to believe that he really was who he said he was. So Jesus gives him a small little command, just take the boat back out to the water. Nothing real real challenging, nothing real dangerous or anything, just a small little task. And because of Peter's obedience, God blessed him through that, and then as Peter grew in his faith and obedience in in Christ, he gave him more and more responsibilities. So much so that Peter doesn't become, like I said, the first pastor leading the church in the post-Jesus era, and then Jesus said, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on. So what do you guys think about your life today? God's gonna call you and, and test your faith. He wants you to trust in the small things. So if you don't, if you like, well, I don't see God moving in a big way in my life right now. I don't see God coming through in the ways i really really him to come through. Well, are you trusting in the small things and the little bitty tab? You know, are you are you are you being the same person at school that you are at home? You know, in your private life, are you looking up things you shouldn't look up? Are you are you are you doing things that you should do? You know, when nobody's watching you, are you living a life that honors God, or are you living a life that's opposite of that? Because again, if God can't trust you to live for Him in just a small little minute task on a daily basis, then what makes you think you deserve to be used in a mighty way for Him in the future? The more you begin to trust God in small things, the more doors begin to open up in your life of opportunity for God to use you in much bigger ways as life goes on. And... I want you guys to also think about this concept. You may, God may be calling you to talk to one of your friends about him, or he may call you to go overseas or do something that just seems totally outside your comfort zone. And at first you may say, well, God, I, I can't do that. That's just not me. It's not my personality. You know, I'm just not I'm not a person to do that. Well, I want you guys to think about this. When you start to doubt yourself, he starts to doubt things that God's calling you to do, remember that if God calls you to it, he'll guide you through it. What you got to think about that one? God, if God calls you to it, he'll guide you through it. Because God's never going to call you to do something that he's not going to sit there and walk through that with you step by step. And God's not going to say, Aaron, I want you to go overseas and do this kind of mission work and say, oh, good luck buddy, have fun. You know, no. As, as Aaron begins preparing, as Aaron goes on this trip, the Holy Spirit will be with him the entire time, guiding him, reassuring him, um, giving him help and wisdom and direction. So if God's going to call you to something, yeah, you may not be able to do it by yourself. But you can trust that he's going to be with you, guiding you through it. And because of that, nothing's impossible through God. Um, so as this goes on here, <clears throat> something that, that I thought was really neat that uh, was said in, in this book we were going through, it says at the beginning of the story, we see Jesus teaching a crowd of people. And Peter did exactly what fishermen do. Then Jesus asked Peter up for a favor. In the moment, it was a small thing. But in the bigger picture, it was the first step of Peter's life being totally transformed. Can you imagine the regret Peter would have had if he had said yes to Jesus, or if he had said to Jesus, we're actually kind of busy here. we got some nets to clean, so we can't really do this today. I want you guys to think about your life today. And if we all really started and reflected, there's probably many times in our life where God called us to talk to a person that maybe was having a down day. Maybe somebody was unpopular at school. Maybe somebody that you knew was having a hard time. And we're like, you know, God, I don't feel like it today. Or made some kind of excuse of. And we're like, you know what? Someone else will do it. And we missed an opportunity. And we think back in our lives, we all have opportunities like that, myself included. That we've missed. And so the thing is, if you know that those opportunities are going to come up, be never be too busy to do what God's going to call you to do. Here's what I mean by that. If, you're, if your schedule is so full during the day, that you're so tired at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day that you just have no energy to talk to anybody, to read your Bible, to pray, to do anything anything else than just your daily task, then you need to try to find ways to take things off your plate. And one, way, one thing I, I used as an example before was at dinner time, if you're going to have a, a perfect dinner plate, you want your meat, you want your vegetables, uh, you may have a little starch on there, and then you may get some dessert at the end, but you're going to eat your meat and your vegetables and stuff first, because if you don't eat the dessert, and you forget the meat and the vegetables, then you're just going to be really, really uh, obese, and you're going to be sluggish and tired and have all kinds of health problems later on in life, if you do this consistently. That makes sense? So, think about this in your life with Jesus. Jesus is going to call you to do things for him. He, he should be the need in your life to take priority. Before you do other things in life, you have to make sure that I'm going to have time for Jesus. I'm going to have time to, to pray. I'm going to have time to spend his word. I'm going to have time to do the things he's calling me to. And then, if you have extra time in your schedule in your day and you you're not too tired to do it, then add on some fun things. Add on some desserts. You know, add on some some sports and some hobbies and activities. Hang out with your friend. Hang out with your boyfriend, girlfriend. These things aren't bad. But again, if you overload your plate with those things and you push God and what he's called you, only calling you to do to the side, then you're going to regret that a lot later on in life. And you're going to realize that you missed the whole point. And so, in life, I want to challenge you guys to have an eternal perspective, to do things in life that are truly going to make a difference for all of eternity. And what I mean by that is that when you talk to people at school, you know, how you interact with people on your sports teams or in your clubs, when people see you, do they see God's light shining through you? Or are they led more away from God than they were in the past? When your friends are being perverted and saying mean jokes and picking on somebody or watching things they shouldn't watch, You just go along with that, or do you stand up against that and say, guys, this is really not cool. Let's watch something different. You know, do they they look at you and see Jesus, or do they see just somebody else in the world today? Because again, if God can't trust you to obey him in those small little things, then how is God going to trust you to use you in a big way in the future? If If you live life from an eternal perspective, putting Jesus first before the friends and the and the sports, and the hobbies, and all this, then you'll begin to do everything else like that with an eternal perspective, leading people back to Christ through your gifts and talents God's given you. Um, So I I want you guys to listen to this here. Do you see people how God sees people? Or do you see people how the world sees people? Here's what I mean by that the world sees people basically as how can they benefit me? Um, And and we live in a very selfish society, especially in America, it's all about me, 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 you know, what can benefit me? So if I look around at people at school and and in society and things I'm a part of, if that person makes me happy, I'm not going to be around that person. If that person helps me become a better person, I'm going to be around that person. These are good people. But if that person is kind of weird or I don't want really get along with that person well, or they're taking away attention from me, I don't like that person anymore, I'm going to, I'm going to block them, or I'm going to, you know, cancel that person, or whatever you say. That's kind of how society works today, really but that's how society works today. Uh, the way Jesus sees people is it doesn't matter what people give to you, it matters what you can give to those people, and so when you see people that are different than you at school, when you see people that are living lifestyles different than yours, or People that are less popular, or you might think they're weird, or funky, or whatever you want to call them. Um, instead of ignoring those people or being mean and rude to them, what the world would say to do, instead we should rise above that and see them as how God sees them as made in the image of Him. And that and they also, Jesus also died on the cross for them. And we have the best gift ever inside of us we are Christian, which is the Holy Spirit, and we should be wanting to give that to them. Even if we get nothing in return from it. You know, even if we share the gospel with that person, maybe that person accepts Christ, but we never become best friends. That person never really helps me out in my life. Uh, It shouldn't be about what they do for me. It should be about what can I do to serve this person. Because what if you're not serving that person, you're serving Jesus. And when you get to heaven one day, those kind of acts of kindness, those kind of things you did for God's kingdom, that's what in heaven when it says you'll get rewards in heaven, those are the things you'll get rewards for in heaven. And those rewards are going to last for all eternity. You know, the trophies we get in the sports, the medals we get, and and singing competitions and things like that, those things are all fun. When we die, they don't go with us. Eventually they're all going to fade away. They're going to collect dust. They're going to break. They're going to melt. They're going to get thrown away. But what you do for God and the impact you make on people's lives, what you give to people, not what you get, what you give and pour out to people, that's what's going to last for all eternity. And that's what truly matters. And that's what, again, being a saying where he leads, I'll follow. Even if I don't get something from it, I know I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Because in the end, that's what's truly going to matter. And ultimately, God will bless you because of it. So as we kind of conclude here, we're going to wrap this up here. It says here, <clears throat> God's truth provides the direction we need and the boldness and confidence to walk in obedience. At times, it may not make sense, but as we begin to follow after Jesus, we grow in understanding of God's purpose in our lives. The more and more things you do for Jesus, the more and more you put Him first in your life and as your first priority. The more you begin to trust Him when God calls you to do something else in the future, because right now it may be hard to trust God. When you begin to trust Him in the little things. And you begin to see God work in your life and see how God puts these things together for his glory, the next time God calls you to do something that seems radical, you don't question it. You say, okay, God, yeah, I'll do that. Because I know you came through for me this time and this time and this time. I know you plan planning this as well. And see, in Peter's life, think about, um, you anybody know how Peter died? Uh, he got like, uh, he got I, mean, th- huh? I thought, you, Peter was the one who wanted to go on the cross upside down. Yeah, that's what happened, yeah. Um, so he ended up dying being mortared on a cross upside down. That's what martyred yeah. yeah, basically mortar means like you die for the calls or a person. Oh. Yeah, so so Peter Peter becomes so obedient to Christ that even when he's about to die because of what he believes in, he doesn't back down from it at the end. He ends up dying for this call. He becomes that obedient, that faithful, knowing that even though he may die here on earth, he'll be united back with Christ in heaven, and that's going to be far better anyways. And that's why later on in the Bible, Paul was another example. He writes to live as to Christ, but to die is to gain. Because even if I, the worst thing happens to me on earth and I die, I'm with Jesus. How much better can that be? So Paul saying, no matter what the world says to me or does to me, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And that kind of faith, that kind of obedience grew in them as they began to trust him in the small things throughout life. And as they begin to trust Jesus, they saw time to time how he came through. How God's overarching plan worked out in those moments. And they became so faithful and obedient, they were willing really to do anything for him at the end. And that's, the kind of, that's what you call sanctification. It means growing in your faith and knowledge of Jesus all throughout your life. And if we can do that, that's what God will truly honor. So, Last thing here for today. <clears throat> it says, With a clear glimpse of Jesus' wisdom and authority, Peter was moving beyond focusing on his own selfish desires. and Instead, the radiant glory of Jesus shine a light exposing not only Peter's weaknesses, but the darkness in his own life. The truth is that we all fall desperately short of the righteousness of Jesus. And the only right response is to bow before him in fear and reverence. The glory of Jesus is overwhelming. And when we truly understand this, Peter's response makes much more sense. So, if you look, go back in the story, one thing people look over a lot of times is when these nets become so full of fish and they get on the boat and the boat starts sinking, instead of Peter being like, oh, man, that is awesome. Now I'm going to follow you, Jesus. He actually falls down in like fear and trembling and is like, Jesus, I'm not worthy. Like, you are the master. You are the savior. And I'm a simple person. You don't want me. Like, you do not want to be using me. Like I, I'm not worthy of you. And Jesus basically tells Peter, even though you might not be worthy, I still desire to use you. And I'm still going to use you for a great purpose. Because I'm going to make you worthy of what I'm going to do for you on the cross. And I want you guys to think about that in your life today. A lot of times what's missing in church today and in Christianity is the true understanding of what Jesus really did for us. and and the reverence we should have for that. Because if we really think about our lives, all of us have made some pretty terrible mistakes. Okay, whether you thought things you shouldn't have thought, whether you said things you shouldn't have said, whether you did things you shouldn't have done, or maybe all three. We've all done some pretty horrible things in our life. And if we really think about those things, we're not worthy to be with Jesus at all. We're not worthy to be used by Him. We're not worthy for His love and His acceptance of us. But yet, Jesus says, even though you've done all these terrible things, I still die on the cross for you. I still care for you. I still love you. And even above all that, I still want to use you for a wonderful purpose. And if you repent of your sins and you follow me, you begin to trust me. I'll begin to use you in a very powerful way for my kingdom. And if you really think about that, that's the ultimate love anybody could ever do. He died on the cross for our sins. We still sin against him many times in our life, but Jesus still forgives us and still wants to use us again for his glory. So when Jesus loves us that much, it should, it should show us how unworthy we are, but how wonderful he is, and that should motivate and inspire us to be more like him, to do more for him. When you really stop and think about what Jesus did for you and how much he loves you despite all the bad things you've done, it should really make you think about your life and who am I living it for? Am I living my life for him or for myself? Am I doing things to build up myself and my popularity and my fame? But then eventually it's not going to be worth anything? Or am I living my life really sought out for him and for what he's called me to do? And if you do the latter, again, no matter what Jesus calls you through, he's going to be right there with you. He's going to bless you because of that. When you get to heaven, that's what you'll really be rewarded for. So let me go ahead and pause this here, and we will have some time.